Blog Talk Radio. Is this like is uh, Steve playing the role of Adam LaRoche and 
Matt playing the role of his son Drake LaRoche. <laughs> we wouldn't let we wouldn't let Ruben Tejada be on the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> I, I got I got one question, right? It, I, you know, have you ever has anyone ever seen Chris Sale and Super Nanny in the same room? Never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's like oh. applauding Chris Sale for you know what a great guy and I stand up and you know my friend Ted Berg wrote about him. I'm just like, you know what? It's so easy to just second guess management when when you're one of the rank and file, even a prestigious member of the rank and file. And then, of course, it comes out after that players actually did complain about Drake LaRoche's <laughs> constant presence the 26 <laughs> man. Oh, my I mean, God. Sorry. You know, I, we all work for a living. Do you want someone's 14-year-old kid there every moment of every day? That's got to be annoying as hell. Some people don't even want their own 14-year-old kid with them. Isn't that somebody else's kid? I know. Oh. I know. Drake LaRoche. Oh, the, why did why did he give his kid a porn star name? I mean Drake LaRoche. And think about this. Think about this. This is the funniest thing. This is why I think Adam LaRoche is absolutely selfish as hell. So you're Drake mm-hmm. LaRoche. You can either mm-hmm. spend a hundred percent of your time in the White Sox mm-hmm. clubhouse like he would have been doing, fifty percent of the time or zero percent of the time. What is your least favorite option there? Zero, right? Now you get to go to no games and hang out in no clubhouse. So, I know it's just ridiculous. Well, your dad can teach you a hole in your swing. (laughs) Here's an uppercut swing, Junior. (laughs) Hey, I I tweeted this. Adam LaRoche is 246th all-time in hit-by-pitch. How the hell are the White Sox going to replace that kind of productivity? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God! The one, one thing I loved about it is, you know, it did leak who uh, who the main player was that was chirping the most. Did you guys know who it was? It's 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 classic. Oh, it's Jimmy Rollins. Oh, on the side. Jimmy Rollins. No, Jimmy was Rollins. Was it? <laughs> yes. Oh, great roll. It's not like yeah. him to be a douche. Yeah, oh totally. God. I mean, you can just see him and Ken Williams. You know you know, being kind of more old school guys. Cause you know, Ken Williams played baseball, you know, back in the, I guess in the early nineties. So the old school guys are the ones that are bitching, you know, and rightfully so who the hell brings your 14 year old to work every day for 270 days. That's crazy. <laughs> you know what? Somebody I in love, prison. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> I think being on the Sox is kind of equivalent. You know, the the amazing thing um, that Chipper Jones came out to support him, and the poor, like, talk about bad judgment. So the guy comes out on Twitter and just kind of goes, you know, you know, yeah, you know, pro family or whatever the hell that hashtag is that he came up with. And so meanwhile, Chipper's been married three times and also impregnated a, a hooker, <laughs> not a hooker, a Hooters, uh, Hooters waitress, right? And so right. if you really want to laugh. Go go find go find Chipper Jones's comment and then read the comments that people posted afterward. <laughs> it was like family values, and then somebody would write which family. Which <laughs> <laughs> your family? Which that might family, be Chipper's. Right? Maybe that's Chipper's kid. That's why he's saying it. <laughs> exactly. Hey Adam, let me tell you something about Drake. He's a reason he looks just like me. <laughs> kind, of, kind of like Woody Allen's kid that looks like uh, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> what, what, what does Drake look like, Reggie Jackson? I don't understand. It's <laughs> not kids? <laughs> <laughs> you know, another question I have is, you know, obviously, um, you know, he's LaRoche is a very, very big, um, big family guy. So, is his daughter and wife in the beard? Because there's something in there, you know, it's like a bird or whatever that a corn, but I assume that you know the wife and daughter are around. Well, I don't see it. That, uh, I think Adam LaRoche and John Neese often get confused for each other <laughs> when Neese is sporting that beard. I'm like, they're looking in the mirror. <laughs> You know, it's one other funny thing I read online about the about the family values guy is that he kept forgetting his wife at the ballpark. <laughs> he kept leaving her there and having to come back and get her. So it's kind of like family. Family's only the boy. Him and yeah, him and Drake are tossing back sweet teas and eating chili dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about freshman high school things and Adam LaRoche's glory days when he didn't strike out so often and the wife is just <laughs> hanging out at the park. 
Now he's going to be at the American Legion field with him every every day. He's going to spend time with his son. Dad, go home. Dad, go home. Dad, go home. I know. I want to hear from Drake. Let's get Drake on the show because Drake's going to be like, thank God. I don't have to work. Another 270 days of White Sox camp. I want to be oh, a leader. God damn it. Thank you. Thank you, Ted Williams. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> It's oh like Sarah Palin, you know, you know with Sarah Palin coaching us on family values as her daughter's getting, you know, knocked up again and her son's getting arrested and her husband's, <laughs> you know, scrogging every beaver in Alaska, you know, but she's the family values. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's, oh, uh, it's, it's really guys, something man. else. It's so good to talk. This is awesome. I love the podcast. <laughs> back with a vengeance. I'm going to miss oh my you, God. Though, but I do, I do, I do want to seriously, seriously say that for all the Padres fans on the po- Padres podcast that he's going to be going on now, <laughs> I really think you're going to <laughs> he's going to revive. He's going to revive that franchise. He's going to go pull them back up now. <laughs> Steve, I'm kidding. I love uh, you, man. Come back. Come back and bring uh, your son boy. back too. oh boy oh boy oh boy you know last thing on this because i just can't let it go man the because i was obsessed with looking at these uh, white sock boards and um and reading what the fans are thinking of it and and almost across the board people are just furious at this whole situation um at the players they're they're not no one is you know outside of the the mainstream media for whatever reason um it seems like most people are not siding with the players thank god and the one thing that's amazing that was pointed out to me is the fact that you know you have limited amount of locker space in spring training and you have all these these um young players that have kind of come in on the expanded roster they're trying to make the team and you know they kind of busted their ass to get to where they got and this <laughs> and the 14 year old kid has his own locker his own uniform having not earned any of it. And this, they have like a, almost like the equivalent of a kid's table <laughs> off to the <laughs> side where they have other late, like lockers of people that would, you know, don't have a great chance of making the team in a separate building, like completely put away. But this kid has a, has a spot and it takes reps with the team as well. I mean, that's oh. rough, man. That That is, can you imagine if that was happening here? What would happen? I mean, that would be in the media oh. every single day. Ah, it's awful. And Unreal. the funny thing is, you know, there's been, you know, the Mets, I think, do it right. I don't know if you met, you you read what Wally Back, not Wally Back, what Terry Collins said. But he said, mm-hmm. look, there's a time and a place. We welcome the families and encourage all that. One hour before serious business, everybody out, right? Everybody out <laughs> Dave, of the pool. Dave, we're getting to work. Except, except for, for one day here when they get to sleep in the middle of the outfield. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think the Mets get it right, and it was just funny. I, mean, I haven't really, you know, even like when Ken Griffey Jr., who everyone knew was going to be a superstar when he was a teenager, he was hanging out a little bit, but he wasn't in there all the time. It's just nuts. Nuts, nuts. Can I just nuts. say though? I mean, I mean, here's the deal. I think this is a great parenting move. Could you imagine from now on, whatever this kid doesn't do? I gave up $13 million for you, goddammit. You're going to be an astronaut. I don't want to be an astronaut. $13 million. Do you have $13 million? Clean that fucking room. He's got the upper hand on him for the rest of his life. I think this is a brilliant move. This was this was out of textbook right here. How are you going to beat that? This kid's going to be going out and killing deer and bear for his family to eat to match that $13 million that he gave up. I think this was... Absolutely brilliant. Um, they are a scary bunch. If you if you pop into his Twitter feed, it's like it takes you a little time to just get you get over it. <laughs> it, it is uh, it is it is something else. It's like um, like Leonard Skinner just on steroids. It's um, some it's it's wild. But um, I mean, look, I, I I guess you can debate whether that's good parenting or not. I, I do I do feel strongly that that. You know, you can't. I mean, family isn't just your son. Family is your entire family, and uh, there's some some people missing <laughs> from this from this dialogue. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. And I also heard um, an interview with um, Aaron Boone, who you'd think that out of anyone that would have a perspective on this, it would be him. You know, he's the third generation in with this kind of stuff, and uh, he was actually against it. 
Um, not not saying that he was against kids in the clubhouse completely, but rather the fact that that throughout his dad's career he was in different clubhouses, and you know very often he was banned from them or it was limited, and his father never um, never forced them on in any sort of team, nor did the kids kind of feel it was um, vital. So he actually thought that it was a bad idea to have the kids around on a regular basis. And this is a kid that actually was in the clubhouse on a regular basis. So, you know, it goes to it really just goes to show you. I mean, he actually shared a locker in one. And I think it was the um, – oh, God, Bob Boone was on the uh, – who's who, – where was he before the Phillies? Maybe it was – you know, I'm sorry, the I'm sorry. I think the Reds, Reds right? Yeah. You know what, though? It was yeah. the Reds. It was the he was an angel, too, about. though. Yeah, well, that was later on. So, so in the Phillies, he was able to share a locker with his brother, who also became a major leaguer. But uh, there were, I think it was the Angels that he brought up next, which didn't let him on the field all that much at all, or anywhere near the team. Right. And his father had no problem with it, neither did he. You know, he actually, as a player, appreciated the kids not being around so often. So, mm. whatever. I just think that it's, um, th- there's something, you know, it, it, somebody mentioned something else online, which was kind of interesting, going back to... Um, uh, what's his face? Um, <laughs> a Kadire, you know. And somebody made a a comment, and again, it was in the White Sox um, domain, so it probably isn't linked. But something along the lines of, he should have done what Kadire did and just left without saying anything. Exactly. You know, if and you I, want to leave, just leave. You know, don't don't yeah. don't try to make this big commotion, this big stand, and I, it, that was just this melodramatic crap. Uh, you know, it just damaged the rest of the team. It's not fair to other people. Everyone has their own personal shit. Just deal with it. But, don't but let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. And, and this is kind of a touchy subject. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we're New York podcast, so screw it. I don't really care. Um, so, so one thing, because I, I was just fascinated with this. I read online about LaRoche and what he's doing with the Sox. And naturally, all the fans can't stand him because he batted 200 last year. But he was a a proponent and kind of an instigator and, and the leader of this thing called Faith Day that they had. And so he's apparently this big, you know, Bible thumper, you know, which teach their own. I mean, it's fine. Uh, but, I, you know, it's interesting bringing it back to, to the Mets. Now, I know that um, that's something that is somewhat prevalent in Major League Baseball. There's an unusual amount of people that seem to go in that direction, which is which is fine, but I mean, obviously you have um, culture clashes right and left. So you deal with Daniel Murphy um, basically begging to be back on the team and being ushered off this last off season. And I know, and I have no idea about uh, Kadire's um, background, but I do know that he comes from the same area as David Wright, who was a, you know, used to do um, commercials for the same uh, <laughs> same group that Andy Pettit did commercials for years ago. And you know, they have like. Um, a few days, or at least one day, I know, planned this year. There, it's kind of an inclusive sort of a, a day, and I kind of wonder a little bit if there is something to do with this sort of um, trying to either not necessarily trying to get some of the, some of the more um, people with maybe I guess more pointed personalities off these teams, but rather I guess to not have so much of a divided clubhouse. I mean, do you feel like, you know where I'm kind of going with this. Do you feel, either of you feel like there's anything, maybe anything had to do with, um, that's the reason why maybe Murphy left, um, maybe that's why Kadire left. You know, it clearly has something to do with what's going on in Chicago. Um, well, I mean, what yeah. are your thoughts on that? Now, if I could take this first thing, I, I think it's yeah. a little bit of a stretch, although I do hear the kernel of truth and see, you know, that happening a little bit. On the other hand, you know, talent usurps all things, right? So there's been cases of, you know, go back a couple of years, like a real douchebag like Milton Bradley. I mean, he's given mm-hmm. chance after chance after chance, and, sure. and he's as bad as much of a jerk and a malcontent as you could ever find. Sure. But I do think, you know, when some of these people are leaving that are kind of on the fringe, maybe the economics don't necessarily say, necessarily say that they should, you know, be valued as much, the exit door opens a little bit quicker than it would otherwise. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Gene. What, I mean, what do you think? I mean, considering if you look at, let's say, um, LaRoche's, um, where he stood with the team, he ma- was hitting 200, he was making $12 million a year, and even if they didn't have an issue with his politics, let's say, there was a hot-button issue that they could press really easy and get him to quit, <laughs> or potentially quit. <laughs> you know, and, if, and look, I don't think that they necessarily expected him to walk, but you know, there's nobody in that organization that's not thrilled with this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, they just—I mean, this is the same thing as Kadire walking away. It's—it's it's wonderful. Especially you Jimmy know. Rollins. 
<laughs> Hell yeah. Extremely, yeah. That's the greatest. That, that minor league signing was the best thing that they ever did. But what do no, you think? I mean, I mean you how... bring up the you yeah you you bring up the great antithesis of it though is is really the Kadir move. The, I mean that one that one was a selfless move and not that he was run out. It was it was very surprising, but he actually seemed like he was thinking about himself and the team in the same you know jargon. Nobody was mm-hmm. you know there was almost like he becomes a, a semi cult hero among Mets fans. Mm-hmm. Like thank you, right. you know, and right. and there was no animosity whatsoever, <laughs> but. In this situation, I mean, the rules are rules. But, you know, Williams has a – he's got a history of being firm with, with rules and kind of being a no-nonsense guy. So, I mean, I I kind of feel bad for him because then it comes back to this guy doesn't like kids, and that's not the case, and he's getting enough support. So I don't know if it was a – I don't see it as a religious thing, you know, but I'm not I'm not there. But I, I, I also see the, the rules are a rule, and if you're going to push it, but going mm-hmm. to Dave's point, remember Barry Bonds and how much, you know, how much of a pain in the ass he was, and they still put up with everything because it was Barry Bonds he was producing. So if if LaRoche was putting up his 25, 30 home runs and hitting 280, they would have figured something out. And the players would have really mm-hmm. rallied around him, not just sure. ceremoniously. You know, it was more of ceremony that they were saying, you know, this is wrong, but, but nobody's willing to, to negate their contract or ask to be traded. Uh, it wasn't, you know, it was more of a personal thing. Well, look at Williams, though. This guy, you know, he's a major leaguer. He, I believe, was a scout after his career ended, um, worked his way up through the organization, became a GM, revamped the team two or three times, won a championship, moved up now to be executive vice president or president, whatever his title is. Mm-hmm. But he's really been a very loyal soldier to the White Sox and, you know, did a lot of good things for him, and he himself is a family man. Um, five kids. I've been in the NFL. He's one son's a doctor. He's a good person mm-hmm. here. He's getting shit on because Adam freaking LaRose wants to hang out with his kid in the locker room for 207 days a year. You know, he doesn't deserve that. And I think, like you said earlier, Nick, that's why the fan base is kind of really peeling the onion back a little bit. And the media story, it might be a great thing to sell a paper, but it's not mm-hmm. the truth. Well, it seems like it's coming out very slowly. I mean, I I was surprised at a few things, though. I was surprised Peter Gammons, people like that, actually came out in favor of LaRoche, because I don't really think that there's any argument to be made in his defense. I mean, he walked away. He walked away quietly and just said, listen, I just want to be with my kids the last year. I mean, it's fine, but he threw a guy under the bus, and he abandoned his teammates. You know, and he, and he showed that he, I mean, he's making $12 million a year, and his priorities are not with his team. You know, and of course, look, your kids are supposed to be a, a chief priority, but you know, you don't really put your kid and your job in the same um, same folder. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. and, and making your being dedicated to your work is not making you a bad father. It's making you a good example, if anything. Making you know, a good so provider. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, also, you know, you're, what are you teaching your kid to just up and quit if you don't get your way? It's it's well, really well, it just it also something tells else. the rest of what about the history of baseball and all the other, mm-hmm. you know, fathers that had kids that had to leave them mm-hmm. and had to endure things? And now you're saying, all right, this one kid can follow around with the team. Mm-hmm. You know, ru- again, rules go back to rules. And, you know, we had major leaguers that had to go serve their country. And, I mean, mm-hmm. those yeah. are the rules. Well, here's my theory. Yeah. And you guys have heard me talk about this before. It's the spoiled mm-hmm. rich kid. LaRoche, Adam LaRoche's father was mm-hmm. Dave LaRoche, right, who was a coach. Mm-hmm. He was involved in injuries. You know, he made money. And mm-hmm. here's another example of a spoiled rich kid thinking that his rules are the only rules that matter. We get a guy like David Wright, blue collar, son of a cop, honest, mm-hmm. humble, all the other things. And I think Kadir is much more like David Wright than LaRoche. So to get back to that argument, we have LaRoche, spoiled rich kid. We have Michael Kadir, blue collar, working class, Virginian from Chesapeake. And mm-hmm. look how they exited. Mm-hmm. Dropping the mic, boom, I'm done on that. There you go, Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who remembers the the Lalab? That was the best pitch ever. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, uh, I miss that. This was the uh, best Lalab. See you later, Lalab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like like uh, like if Ike Davis freaked out. That's what it's sort of uh, sort of like. Well, it's the same type um, of thing. Yeah, it's it's the uh, same Ike right Davis move. Spoiler, yeah. Move on. Let's Absolutely. not occupy the 
the podcast with other teams, Mister. Come on. Well, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so we'll bring it back to the National East, but I'm not, I'm not exactly ready yet to to, to focus on okay. our 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 juggernaut. Um, our which, beloved which, New York Mets. Yes, our beloved juggernaut. Um, you you know, can tell when they're winning. <laughs> 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 oh my god! You know there was a spring training story I really loved, and it reminded me of another one that I I, I want to be true very badly. Um, and this this year I'm going to try to find out, um, and maybe we can all kind of find out together through an interview. But um, um, Bonds was in a home run um, competition or some sort of hitting <laughs> competition with yeah. uh, <laughs> with Stanton and uh, and a couple other guys, and supposedly out homered them and then afterward uh, like about a day later you know the guys were kind of embarrassed so they kind of went well he didn't he didn't out he didn't beat us in a home run contest as well and basically he did out homer them he they just didn't consider it a home run contest <laughs> you know what i mean and but based but the coach based at 51 years old out out, out hit them um and it also reminded me of this this the story i love um hearing about Koufax in 1981 pitching against uh pitching batting practice right before the World Series against the Dodgers. And um, I kind of read a more exaggerated version of this story um, uh, earlier today because I was just getting interested, um, where apparently what was happening is he was just nailing in some fastballs, and one of the hitters, and I'm, I don't know which one, but somebody said, can you throw a curveball? I want to see if I can hit it. And he went just completely through the Dodger lineup with these curveballs, <laughs> and nobody was able to touch him and to the to the point where Lasorda kind of faked going out there, um, faked having to protect his arm, and basically just said, "Listen, you're going to destroy my hitters right before the series, and I have to be taken out." And um, I don't know, just I've always been intrigued by that, by by the whatever leftover talent there is of some older player um perhaps kind of making may reappearing itself and and it's funny i saw um there's a clip of Koufax throwing at the first pitch in 2015 at um i don't know if it was the all-star game or something or another and to Johnny Bench and man like that he it was a perfect strike and it wasn't like an old man strike either i mean he's 80 and that thing was like that was lasered in there pretty good um i don't know you guys have any that the bonds thing or anything like that does it intrigue you guys at all, or uh, is it just uh, just me? So, so, it, so it's intriguing. I got a qu- quick story. I'm not sure if I told you guys this before, but I was in station in Korea back in it would have been, gosh, 1996, 1997. Mm-hmm. I was a lieutenant, and I mm-hmm. played a lot of softball there, and I was on this all-star kind of traveling team, and they brought mm-hmm. over a bunch of retired major leaguers to play us. Against the Mini competition, so no, we had literally, okay. dude. It okay. was um, mm-hmm. George Billy Foster, D. Williams. Oh. George Foster, oh, wait, George Foster, Huck, Huck right. Bill Spaceman wow. Lee, Maury Wills. I mean, these were pretty big names, wow. right? So it was a big, it was a big deal. So we we get so psyched for this game. I mean, we're military guys. We're like, we're not like crazy. I mean, I'm like in peak physical shape. I need like 30 pull-ups, right? So I'm just I'm, I'm a machine at this point. Mm-hmm. So we get in there. And these guys could not have been less interested in playing a real softball game. <laughs> so we're just crushing them. I mean, we're just literally – we scored like 12 runs in the first. Like George Foster, balls were just going right by. He's not even moving. So I get up, I think, like for the third time in the inning, and Tug McGraw is pitching, and he had just been lobbing him in and lobbing him in. And we started talking a little trash. And uh, Foster goes, throw him a real pitch. So I'm like, <laughs> he goes, can I? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, holy crap, you know, Tom McGraw is going to throw me a real pitch. Overhand. Dude, he broke, he broke off a screwball. I mm-hmm. thought the thing was going to – he's lefty. I thought the thing was going to hit me in the face, <laughs> and I crashed to the ground just to watch this thing <laughs> perfectly hit the catcher's glove right over the middle of the plate. It was the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. And, and he was like, you know, I think he died like two years later or something. You know, he was like 16. <laughs> so I do believe that these guys keep their talent enough in spurts where they could do something like that. Now, could they go through the grind of a full season? No. But does it surprise me that Koufax vote through a lineup or that Barry Bonds can, you know, sit back in a rocking chair and blast them over the wall? No, because I, I saw it firsthand and it blew me the hell away. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen to this day. And, wow! Uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. That's an amazing story, man. It really is. Well, I have a secondary question: Was George Foster selling T-shirts? 
<laughs> well, you know, they were on this barnstorming tour, and they were, you know, they were yeah, doing make money. It was part of the, um, you know, the, the military morale and welfare mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it was all for a good cause and stuff. But very interesting right. Foster story. So we had a dinner that night. Two interesting things happened at the dinner. So Foster was there, and I said, oh, George, I'm a Mets fan. He automatically kind of, you could just see him shrinking like I was in the spot. <laughs> him. I was like, nah, I really loved you, and, you know, it was tough the way you went out. Blah, blah. He didn't want to talk about it, right? So he was kind of dick. I had sat next to Bill Spaceman Lee at the dinner. The guy was hilarious, man. He was just rattling off stories, and it's just amazing. So Tug was across from us, and Tug McGraw <laughs> looked at me, and he goes, I need a cigarette. Can you find me a cigarette? Oh my God. And then Maury Wills got pissed at Tug McGraw. He was like giving him this whole anti-smoking thing. So I ran up to the uh, uh, to the, one of the guys that I knew smoked, and I grabbed two cigarettes, and I went outside and had to smoke with Tug McGraw. And wow. then he got cancer and died. Oh. So Dave killed Dave. Dave killed Tug McGraw. <laughs> That's the new name for the podcast. <laughs> Dave, oh Dave man. Tug McGraw. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I wish I had a memory like that. Actually, you know, it's funny. I, I um, as a kid, uh, they were doing like this this Big Apple New York City thing, and like I think it was early 1984. And uh, I just I never got a chance, obviously, to see a big leaguer stuff like that. But I mean, I did. They did have the kids stand in against Gooden, which was pretty pretty frightening. Him him throwing it at a speed to children. Um, I remember being scared to death <laughs> at that <laughs> thing coming at me. But um, it, it, along those same lines, though, I remember seeing an old-timers day game. I was always obsessed with those. And I think I went to one that was maybe like, I want to say 1988, um, something around that time. And it was a Che. It's when they were actually still physically doing it. And I remember uh, specifically Kenny Boswell making some ridiculous play at uh, – he was playing second base, but it was some sort of a diving play. It looked like a regular major leaguer, which kind of surprised the hell out of me because it had been so long. We're you know, we're out of speedy pool. <laughs> 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 oh man, oh man. So, so wait, Gene. So you're in Florida. So yeah, what's what's the deal? Like, is are they going to start Bonds? <laughs> is he going to be in left? Is he a pinch hitter? What's, what's you know, up I, here? I actually I had because I have to watch the 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 Marlins versions of the Mets games when they play. Mm-hmm. And so they interviewed him and he didn't sound like that douchey. He sounded very like he was gracious about having the opportunity. And he was like, I'm just going to feel it out. And he actually gave um, the assistant hitting coach who's been here for a while, a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. And I was really impressed with like what his approach was, but I'm, I mean, we make, you know, you talk about the old timers days of the past. I miss those days. And, I also miss player coaches. I mean, there's yeah. no pitch, pitching. I don't think you could pull it off, but a player coach, I you know, I really think you could pull it off. And I also think, and I said this before the podcast, and I think Ike Davis would have been a perfect candidate back in the day. There's no reason why you can't have a lefty at first base that was a pitcher back in college or minor leagues that couldn't come in for one batter here and there. And I think that would be an awesome addition to baseball and make it fun that you bring Ike in for a situation of lefty, you have the pitcher go mm-hmm. to first, you know, like like what Davey did a couple of times with the outfielders, well, by necessity when the rest of the team was fighting and right. humping hookers and stuff. <laughs> um, but um, That's still a great game to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awesome, man. I mean, could you imagine in today's society with Twitter and everything when they're putting the pitcher in the outfield and it's just – um, I, I miss that fun part of the game because they're all athletes. I mean, and that's the thing. And, and Dave, you bring it up right. I mean, the, these guys can still play. And a lot of these guys go into semi-pro baseball leagues after playing, and they're in their 50s and 60s. I play competitive softball against guys from 20s to 60s. And some of these 60- and 50-year-old guys can friggin' play. And they were, they were ballers back in the day. And their skills are are still there. Well, I know um, two interesting things like that I've heard of recently. Um, I know that uh, Julio Franco is still trying to get back into baseball. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, he's a guy. he hasn't stopped. Yeah, he's still playing independent mini, ball. He's mini still Minotra. trying to get back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Um, yeah, it's – I don't know. That's, that stuff really just – gets gets me i guess um even since i was a kid i was obsessed with willie mays 
playing center for the Mets and wanting to see video of it and stuff like that. And um, I, and it's interesting too, like you can even see, like looking back, if you read things or even, even watch, you have a couple of his at bats um, on YouTube someplace. You can see that the skills were still there. It's just, the guy was breaking down. So it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really fascinating. That's one thing I love about the sport. You know, there's so much, there's so much history, and it's since it's not quite as brutal on these guys' bodies. You know, you can think about these kind of things, and um, they can play for a while and everything. So, all good, um, guys. Um, so, so here, here we are. Okay, <laughs> we've never had a cult of Mets personality show when the team was good. Ever, I think, right? <laughs> I mean, God, when did we start? Gene, when did we start this? 2010 or something? 2009? Yeah, something something around there. You and I have been in correspondence since 2006. Yeah, well, we started the, the blog in six. I think we, I think, yeah, I think like 2000, 2009. I think it was like the year after we were good. We started this. And um, it's just, it's been a shit show ever since, except, except now. Um, I don't know, look. Guys, I mean, just I know what my opinion is, but is this the closest? I think it's almost obvious, but I mean, is this the closest you felt um, a team has been uh, to the mid '80s Met teams? Oh, sure. I mean, we talked about it, you know, two years ago, early last year, that we were just waiting for these aces to line up, and they lined up, and holy smokes! I mean. We're dominant. I mean, people aren't necessarily picking the Mets this year, but everybody's got us in their top three or four teams, top five teams at the worst. And uh, it's just, we're just crazy good right now. I mean, this pitching staff, and, you know, we talked about spring training. One thing that's very unusual about this spring training, there's no competition for jobs. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. marginal competition for the bench. There's moving pieces like, you know, seeing our buddy Tejada go. Um, (laughs) Uh, but there's just not much competition. And then we're going to get, you know, Zach Wheeler back at some point this year. And we got Bart, you know, for, for backup. So it's great, man. I feel wonderful about this, this whole situation that we're going to be in for these next couple of years. It does feel like the mid-80s with maybe not the star power on the offensive side, but it certainly feels like we got a wonderful team. Well, we, I think we have a little more offense, honestly. Um, yeah. You know, the mid-80s I mean, team and stars, but I'm sorry? Well, yeah, we do. I mean, we have up-and-coming hitters. You know, we have Conforto, and we've got, you know, Travis. And, I mean, there's there's players that are going to hit, but we don't have someone of the offensive power other than a healthy David Wright and, you know, Kid Carter and Keith Hernandez and, and Strawberry. Those guys, were, they were offensive stars in their day. You know, well, I mean, they, they, you know what? They were leaders. They were leaders. I mean, the, the reality, though, I think, you know, if you're talking statistically, and, I, and look, I remember though, I watched every every game back then. I, I, yeah. I love that team. Um, I I think defensively, there's no comparison that that, that team was way better. Um, yeah. But I'll tell you what, offensively, I mean, it was a very consistent team. But I think the team is built very similar because you know Gary Carter was obviously wonderful, but he his numbers were great as a catcher. And he was he had he would have had solid numbers as an outfielder too. But it's very similar to you know, to like a well, I can't say he was like Darno. Let's say even at at its peak, because Carter could hit you know th- you know thirty homers and hundred RBIs. But, well, well, let's let's but, be clear though. Let's be clear, Nick. Right. In in nineteen eighty six, in one hundred and thirty two games, Gary Carter drove mm-hmm. in one hundred and five runs. I mean, that was right. A great Wonderful. season. Yeah. Sure. Without a doubt, but I mean, we also you can flip the the page and look at third base and. The total production we got there from Ray Knight and Howard Johnson is could be similar to what we would get from David Wright this year. And we had we had nobody at shortstop. We had basically the same kind of thing we have now, except a you know lighter bat. Yep. Uh, second base, second base. I mean, Backman was scrappy and everything, of course. But I mean, I know at the time I loved when Tuffle was playing because I liked the offense. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even even his offense was not great. It was kind of. 260. It was kind of like, you know, Walker. <laughs> not not yeah. that different. Um, and first base, I mean, clearly, I'd take Keith Hernandez any day of the week, but, but I mean, Duda's got a little more power, you know, so but, again, Hernandez, let's say, is a little, little bit better, but I think this outfield is way better than the outfield from the 80s. I mean, 
you know, I, Dykstra really blossomed after he left here, and he's very clutch and everything, but you can't really compare Dykstra and Cespedes, and I think Conforto's better than Mookie. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Daryl, Daryl is Daryl. He's got that presence. But statistically, I mean, he had one – he had a standout year, hit 39 homers at one point. But generally, Daryl would, you know, 26 homers, you know, batted 260, <laughs> 90, <laughs> 90 ribbies, which, you know, honestly, if uh, Granderson does that, would you be shocked, numbers-wise? Yeah, no, no, I agree. But yeah. But the, error, difference, the, the difference is this. So it's, mm-hmm. as tough as it is to compare the hitters of those days to today's days with the inflation, mm-hmm. we have we have at least three Dwight Goodens. This pitching staff smokes mm-hmm. that pitching sure. staff, the starting pitching. Of course. And that pitching is equal across all generations of baseball. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, unless you want to talk about raising the man, uh, lowering the mound uh, versus the raised mound. But this, this, these guys, and these aren't like Generation K projected, oh, they had a great ending of the season. These guys mm-hmm. played into the World Series. And sure. I, I was, I was, you know, 16 years old in the 80s when the Mets were doing well, I've never been as excited about a team as this team because I know I know what we're going to get. There, you know, in terms of I don't know the ending, but I know it's going to be a, a very nice season to watch. Well, I mean, it's it's all. The other thing I mean, is, go ahead. No, I mean the other thing is, and I keep thinking about this. I was at a spring training game the other day, and I saw him, and I almost mm-hmm. wanted to apologize. We should semi apologize to Horowitz, man, because he was trying to tell us he was trying to tell us some of this stuff last year and we were laughing at him. Yeah. Like, You're a big headed idiot. You don't understand <laughs> anything. And he was like, Guys, guys, like he could see in the crystal ball of his head and we were not buying it. We were not drinking the Kool Aid and holy shit, was he right? I mean but wait a minute, I, I, wait, 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 wait. Uh, no, yes, no, yes, no, you're no, right. no. Yes, you're right, but wait, 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 stop. So one one thing I got to say, one thing I got to say, all right. First of all, if they didn't sign, if, if Cespedes didn't turn around and basically beg them to take him back <laughs> this year, he would have ended up on Washington. We would have had a very different podcast right now. Um, you know, and, no, I'm, yeah, and, I'm talking about last year, though. I mean, he he was telling us how close they were. And this was before Cespedes, but he was saying mm-hmm. we couldn't see how close they were, and he could see it. Well, the thing is, I think, and look, correct me if I'm wrong, because obviously maybe my, my memory is getting shot, but I, if, I think the pitching was, we kind of believed in the pitching back then when he was on. I think it was a matter of we were upset that they weren't going to support the pitching. And they weren't spending he was claiming, any money. And, That's right. Yeah, they weren't spending any money. So we we had like all these potential aces, and then we had you know, I mean, you know what we had in the field, and and if you think of it, um, we obviously they got a couple of guys at the, de- the deadline. Next thing you know, we kind of blew away the, the Nationals, but we by having that lineup the first half of the year, which was really unnecessary for the most part, we jeopardized the season because they probably would have won by twenty games had they had they had a decent lineup the entire time, you know? Um, and look, I'm not going to bitch about it. They made, they made the world series. It's like, hell, it's wonderful, you know? But I mean, I think that there is that point where you have to also look at where they got lucky when things happened. I mean, they were well, going to no, trade Wheeler and, and freaking Flores for, for what's his face for Gomez. And then they probably would have made the playoffs if that happened, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so, but I mean, look, I love what Sandy did. I, I love the whole thing, but I think that also, and this, I guess, is with any team that becomes really, really good. You've got to get lucky. You've got to have not traded that player, and you've got to have you know, hired that right person. And, you know, that one, like DeGrom, came in out of nowhere. You know, like, and I think we were kind of owed it, weren't we? <laughs> In the last, uh, last 20 years, I think. No, and part of his message, too, was that Sandy is going to make a move. And we were just so frustrated. We were like, we don't believe right. he's going to make a move. And, and mm-hmm. he wasn't, you know, Nostradamus, but he was sure. – he understood a lot more what was happening. And he was trying to articulate mm-hmm. something that we – and it's not that he knew the moves were going to be made, but he basically said, mm-hmm. you know, don't give up on this year. Like, that was the other thing. Like, don't give up on this year. And we were like, no, nah, buddy, we're losing mm-hmm. games by one run, and we're only giving up two or three. We're giving up on this year. And he was – he was frustrated, but it, hmm. it's just an interesting side note to the whole season. Looking back, you know what? Um, maybe, man, maybe I just completely forgot. Is, was that in 2015 or was that in 2014? Was that really last year that we had Jay on? Yeah, 
Yeah, it was wow. last year. Yeah. And he got mad. Wow, so we, he was pissed, remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You set so, me so up. Maybe, <laughs> so maybe, maybe after the podcast, he just went back to management and said, you know what, we have to do something. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 I cut it up. I the guys are right. Quick, side Adam LaRoche. No, wait. Fucking sign Drake. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's uh, – I don't know. It's it's interesting. I mean, that you, you know, that's a really good point though you, that you brought up, the fact that we had Jay on and he was basically, you know, you're right. He was kind of hinting at some some things, and we just um, we didn't buy it. And, and and truthfully, like I know Dave, you and I went through looking at Sandy Alderson's past, and there really was nothing to indicate that he would go through with this stuff. And you can see from the trade deadline, he tried really hard not to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he ended up. I mean, he got he got a little lucky, you know, in the trade deadline and in the off season. But you know, but who cares? That's that's you know, I can't. I'm not going to say anything negative toward the guy because he got lucky because everyone needs to. And I think um, I think at this point, this is what I all mean, the successful people in the world, the people in sorry, Nick, the successful people in the yeah, world okay. say the hard, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And I yeah. and I I mean, mm-hmm. I was close to breaking with him, and he. He found a way to get it, to make it happen, and you know it did. Somehow yep. or another. Um, well, let me ask you this, guys. So, so I've, I've, I mean, for the most part, people have been generally predicting that we're going to win this division. People have thought it would be closer. Um, people seem to overwhelmingly across the board think it's going to be closer, except for I think it was Carl Ravitch or something for ESPN <laughs> has the same opinion that I do. Um, but I mean, I and there are some people, some prominent people. Maybe it's just to make a name for themselves, but are they're picking the Nats actually? Do you see? If, let's say barring injury, forget about the injury thing. With everything being equal, is there a chance that the that the Nats are going to be within ten games of us this year? Do you, do you see it? Am I just being a homer here, or I don't see anything. Like, I don't see it. I mean, things can break wrong but here and there, but I don't, I don't see it. They're, they're, they're going to be pretty good. I mean, again, you know, I don't think they're as good as the Mets, but they're mm-hmm. going to be pretty good. And, you right. know, baseball, it's kind of a crazy sport. I mean, the Nets did dominate. I mean, they're, they're that kind of a team. When you look at their lineup up and down, you know, if a couple guys have really good seasons and, you know, their pitching is is comes back strong. They're gonna they're gonna be a good team. That's our competition. But I, well, I yeah, do think the Mets are better. I mean, I think Can I ask a question though? Can I ask you a serious team. question? Shoot. Can I ask you a serious question? Of course. Carl Ravitz. Mm-hmm. Is that the worst toupee on ESPN or the second worst toupee <laughs> on ESPN? Because I always go back to it. <laughs> uh, hmm. Who who would be the worst to pay on ESPN? I, I got to admit I, I haven't done enough of the the, the ESPN to pay um, recon work. I really should have done. <laughs> yeah, I think Carl Ravitch has the worst. <laughs> I don't know, Gene. Gene, what do you think? I mean, being being down there, you know, with I guess, do the Marlins have any hope? I mean, do you do you sense anything different? The Marlins, the Marlins aren't that far away from putting together some good stuff um, mm-hmm. with their young guys that believe in themselves. But I, the, here's the thing about the Nationals, and I'll go back. I mean, they have the MVP, and, and there's no doubt that that kid sure. is probably the top hitter in baseball, if not the National mm-hmm. League, you know, for sure. But I go back to to Dusty Baker. I mean, this is guy's going to be our ace in the hole. He'll find a way to fuck it up. <laughs> and the other thing is, this is and one of the things I I was really hoping the Mets would explore and, and it didn't happen was that would have been a perfect opportunity even with the baggage to to consider picking up Chapman um, for the Mets bullpen mm, only in as yeah. much as you know even if you just say Chapman for Harper that's all we're gonna do and we're gonna make you hit him every single time um, but they didn't do that and I can't you know bitch and moan about it but that would have been a very interesting move. Um, to basically negate any of the momentum that they would have, but I, I still say you know this is the Mets division to to lose, and the Nationals. It depends on the head-to-head comp, uh, comp, you know what happens between the two teams because that's how the Mets won it last year. They went after them and they beat the crap out of them. Well, why would it be any different this year? I mean, I know it's a new year and and everything, but if you look at the 
the times that these things change, it's it's except for rare occasions, it's a different roster, and that's why things change. So this rosters, the two rosters as assembled, the Nationals slightly downgraded, the Mets slightly upgraded. <laughs> I I don't see how things are going to magically change, and the some of the worst parts of the Nationals are still there. I mean, I didn't see Pebblebond go anywhere, <laughs> and you know he's not exactly. I mean, he's a he's a poison in that clubhouse, and you know I just I don't see it. And anyone that I do see nationally that does support Washington, I hear the same stuff that kind of leads me to believe that they're not um, they're not really analyzing it very deep. They say, well, you know, Dusty Baker is good with players, or <laughs> you know, <laughs> stuff, like very generic stuff like that. As a you know, as as if he's gonna, you know, take a bat and actually play the outfield for them. So I don't see it. I just, I mean, I do think that they're a decent team, but you know, one of the reasons why the Mets ran away with it in, in you know '86 was that everybody else was at best a 500 club. You know, <laughs> they didn't have any competition either. You know, so. I think this thing is over by May, boys. I mean, that's just my two cents. <laughs> everyone's healthy. Well, last year, you know, last year was the East was not only the East, but entire baseball was supposed to be Nationals year. So if you're saying, I mean, it's the same argument that if last year the East should have been the Nationals 100, percent then mm-hmm. what's different this year other than the Mets won it once? And you well, know, I, I can answer that question easily. I think that that people were saying that about the Nationals completely ignoring the Mets pitching staff, which we were all talking about. And keep in mind, when we started the year, we had Dylan G and John Neese mm-hmm. and Cologne taking up three-fifths of the rotation. So I don't think any of us really thought that that, that was going to be intact. But we all – I mean, one of the reasons why we were all upset with with Jay at the time was that we had – we finally – we saw it. We saw it, and we didn't have any hitting. And we were kind of saying over and over, just add some bats and, and forget about it. We're, we're going to be – dominating and that's exactly what right. happened the minute they added a bat so it's not like we were off so the reality is that i think the people that were predicting the nationals didn't really first of all they didn't believe the will ponds would forti- you know fortify anything and on top of it i don't think they were really looking that close i mean i mean i saw like i've been dying for some baseball coverage especially now that march madness is coming and i uh, popped on mlb um, and I got this um, this clip of Mad Dog, remember, <laughs> good old Mad Dog, uh, screaming and yelling about the Mets dumping Tejada, and him and this this co-host, he's got there yelling and screaming, oh my God, how did they do this and what happened and all these, he's getting hysterical over this, and meanwhile he didn't do any research to find out why. It's like, why did they do it? Does anybody know why they did it? It doesn't make any sense. Like, meanwhile, the whole thing is, you just Google it, dude. Like, and it just shows me how the the national media, and this is even somebody that came from New York that should know better, um, just is blind. They're just bluntly blind with, with this sort of thing. So, I don't know. Like, I I can't just look at these rosters. If no one gets hurt, I mean, hell, dude, we we have, you know, we have four aces. <laughs> Essentially, mm-hmm, with these mm-hmm. ace quality arms. I mean, how does that, and that's if nobody how does else that possibly lose? Yeah, right. You know, it's just wild. But I think it's I, wild. I think too. I think too. They were so young. It goes back to we've seen this before. Great, right. the great hope. And so mm-hmm. they were young. Harvey was coming off for of the surgery. So really, you only had Degrom. You really only had Degrom. Mm-hmm. Because Syndergaard wasn't even on the major league, you know, on the major league team. We didn't know right. about Matt. Wheeler was there. He got hurt. So it, I mean, it's kind of easy to see how they would be like until they show us something. But after sure, of course. last year, even in October, I mean, you could legitimately knock on wood. One or two of these guys could build, go down, and you could still be in good shape. Yeah, sure. I agree with I that. Mean, I think, yeah, and, and I, mean, I don't even have to tell you which two. It could be any two. It's <laughs> honestly. No, no, seriously, and it's it's. No, I know. I this know. is an embarrassment of riches that a hundred plus years of baseball have told you that it's built around pitching, and you know, I just you want know, to see how it plays out. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I saw one national guy that was talk that picked the Nationals and said, "Well, you know, Mets are more, you know, I fear them in the playoffs, but the Nationals are built for the regular season." <laughs> And I'm thinking, like, what? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, I don't know about the Mets lineup. So, meanwhile, this lineup was the number one lineup in the NL after the new players were added. Um, I don't, I don't understand how, you know, a whole group of people that, that get paid for analyzing baseball 
you know, just completely ignore Gary Matthews Jr. and Soup and all these, these you know, quadruple-A players that were in the lineup every day and somehow judging this lineup based on, on that. I mean, we, this was a better hitting lineup than the, than the Cubs. And it's, I mean, people are basically mailing World Series tickets to, to people in Chicago because of what the Cubs did this offseason. And meanwhile, I don't, like, did we sweep them or didn't we? <laughs> like, I, I just, I think I remember them not having a, a single lead in the entire series. I don't know. It's like, I, I, it's, it's fun to be cocky for change. I, I'll say that, man. It's uh, been a long time. Um, I mean, uh, we're closing in on the hour. You guys have anything um, that you want to bring up, you want to chat about that we haven't? John Neese. <laughs> <laughs> He's got gripes. <laughs> Boy, you talk about a sour grape, man, and, and, and that would explain all of his shit-faced looks every time that, the you know, somebody didn't make a play in the field or he gave up a hit. This is one guy that I will not miss at all. And I think mm-hmm. that they turned it into a great addition to the team. And mm-hmm. even on his way out, he showed his butt. Um, but he is a piss pot from top to bottom. Um, and then you have a guy like Bartolo Colon that is like, I want to come back to this team in pure any class. role. Who has yeah. – what's that? Yeah, pure yeah. class, Colon Colon. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. in any capacity. He recognizes talent. And you guys work with people who – you know, they, they they don't want their peers to succeed, and they don't want, you know, the organization, they want to individually. And, and you have a guy like Bartolo Colon that is like, I want to come back. I, put him in a bullpen. Did he bitch at all during the World Series? Nope, not at all. He did nothing but perform. And this knucklehead mm-hmm. on his way out has to talk about, you know, at least I'll have better defense. Yeah, you'll have better defense in Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, so you my, know only, I, my last, yeah, if I yeah. could, my last thing is. Sure. Neil, Neil Walker, I, I really like him. I, I'm impressed with this guy. Um, I think he's got a little bit of a hole in his swing, you know, speaking offensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, like you said, Gene, great addition to the team. I think, you know, we hold serve on on Murphy's offense. I think we get a little maybe even a better guy than Murphy. Not that I think Murphy was a mm-hmm. bad guy, but I think his personality was too strong on his own religious beliefs and he probably chirped a little bit too much. Uh, so I, I I agree. I think you know we got a great end of the end of our end of the deal on that one. Man, anything yeah, for you many, at all? Well, no. I mean, remember last year down the stretch, even in the World Series, when the Mets turned a double play, we all were like, "Wow, they turned double play," and <laughs> that says something for a team that makes a World Series. You shouldn't be saying that. And now we have a legitimate double play combination, and. It's better than last year, and it's and it's a good one. I, I mean, the range is different in terms of not going crazy. They're not going to be Omar Vizquel out there, but this mm-hmm. is a team that's going to turn double plays, and you're not going to be like, wow. Because there were a number of times where I was surprised that they turned one, and that's going to be an upgrade, especially for his pitching staff. Now, I will tell you, though, that, Mer- mm-hmm. that Murphy in, in, this, in this stadium here in D.C., one, he's going to be a fan favorite. I think he's going to have a really, really good offensive year, which is all they care about in D.C., by the way. They think Bryce Harper's, mm-hmm. you know, God or anybody that, that hits a little bit. Um, so, you know, do I wish Murphy was maybe in a different division? Because I think he's going to be, you know, a pain in our ass and fire this this D.C. team up a little more than they would be ordinarily. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Murphy's going to hit this year. Uh, you know, he's, he's probably going to have a career year, my prediction. How does that field play, Dave? Like, how does how will he be defensively? Is it a because be- you know, City's a great field for fielding, and he couldn't handle it there. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's probably pretty similar. Um, it's a very it sounds weird when I say this, but it's a very bright stadium. It's very bright at night. It's very bright during the day. Um, it's just a very, it feels very bright to me. And I usually sit very close to the field when I have the, the good fortune to get tickets. And um, I think he's going to be okay. I really do. It's a pretty quick infield. But the thing is, it seems like in D.C., and I have to look at the park factors, that's a fly ball park. Man, there is just mm. tons of fly balls there all the time. Um, I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be Murph in the field, but I think he's going to have a very good offensive year here. you think there's any going to be any kind of letdown um, as far as him not being here? I don't mean letdown on our side, but rather with him. 
because he didn't want to no, leave. I mean, it's somebody that's playing in a place he doesn't want to be. I, I, now, to give him credit, the fans here are, are big-time Homer fans. I think mm-hmm. if he wins their, their affection early, you know, has some kind of little mini Murph first, which he knows, we know he does, he's going mm-hmm. to like it here. He's really going to like it here. But I'll talk shit whenever I see him. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, though. He's got to spend a lot of at bats against uh, some some pretty good, pretty good arms. He's going to be facing better pitching uh, in the National League East at this point. Because yeah. I mean, you thought you think of it. I mean, he face. I mean, he has to face the Mets how many times? <laughs> and that's, that's a lot of lot of heavy fastballs for a guy that can't hit that well. So, um, but then again, he does very well against aces, right? He hits. He's going to hit guys. Yeah, he, he's going to hit. Mark's going to hit. Yeah, it's okay. I'm I'm fine with that that trade off. Yeah, but you know what? The thing about Murph wasn't always his defense. It was just kind of the way he ran the bases, and and I don't think you can get a bigger um, Mets pain in the ass than Jason Worth going to the Nationals. So, you know, again, um, Murphy will do what he does, but we all know that that Murphy during the playoffs was not the Murphy during his career. <laughs> so sure, for the rest of the country, they were like, why not sign him? And then we saw those balls go through his legs um, in the World Series that we said, yeah, there's Daniel Murphy, you know. <laughs> but we will – he did. He he had a great a great career with the Mets. But every time the ball was hit to him, we all flinched. Hey, Gary, oh, I boy. A, I got a bolt. I got, I got yeah, a yeah, we – we got to shut down um, in general. Um, so, guys, listen, it's uh, been a lot of fun, and um, I think maybe we'll try to do another one of these before spring training's out if we have a little time, and then uh, I guess we will start uh, 2016 and watch our, our juggernaut. Sounds good, right? Love it. Yeah. Love it. Get the battle rhythm going right. for our shows. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, listen, thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and hearing us. <laughs> Super Nanny in Chicago. Everything else, come out.